I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. welcome. And <laughs> yes, all of the signs, all of the sirens. <laughs> our new intro sound. <laughs> no. No. That it has to be our new intro no, sound. It's it, just no. a <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make the random male noise Brian's uh, job harder. Uh, Thank exactly. You. Thank inserting, you. inserting all of the things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note, you know, it's already gotten crazy and it's going to get crazier. So hold on to your chainsaws because we're talking about the 2022 American slasher film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's my chainsaw sound. Who's freak show? What are you doing? Try anything you cancel, bro. Fantastical. Well, this newly revised version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was directed by David Blue Garcia with a screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin. And I just have to pause to say that I laughed when I saw the name Devlin. If you've seen the movie Just Go With It uh, with Adam Sandler, it has a great thing about the name Devlin, which he describes as taking a poop. So every time I see (laughs) Devlin, it is... Uh. To describe taking a poo. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) Uh, This movie is the direct sequel to the OG 74 movie of the same name. It is the ninth installment in the chain saw massacre. (laughs) See what I did? Yay! 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 (laughs) And it stars Sarah Yarkin, Elsie Fisher, Mark Burnham, Jacob Lattimore, Moe Dunford, Olwyn Ferre, Jessica Elaine, Alice Crige, and Neil, sorry, Nell Hudson. Now, before we get into all of this, obviously there are going to be heavy, 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 heavy spoilers and probably spoilers for the OG Texas Chainsaw. We'll be comparing the two. And so if you have not watched either of those, but mostly the newest one, please pause, watch the new one, and then come back and enjoy our chat about it. And there are a lot of trigger warnings, so I'll let Jamie go through all of those. Yes, this is a very violent movie, more insides on the outside, um, they reference, uh, school shooting, um, and you see some of the aftermath of that. So there's very heavy imagery in that. If that is triggering to you or makes you uncomfortable, this is not the film for you. Stick to the, the OG one. Um, anything else that I missed? Uh, 
Don't think so. But as we get into it, we'll, we will definitely keep you abreast of what is going on because as Jamie said, it is very gory. Definitely one of the connecting factors of this one with the OG. But even before we get into all of that, oh my gosh, guys, we have a special guest with us, Mr. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Terrence Fleming. I would like to say that he is probably our number one listener of this podcast. And I personally know him. We go way back to high school in Mobile, Alabama. He is a fellow actor. Uh, especially in Shakespeare, which he is genius at and quite a phenomenal (laughs) actor. He's going to be speaking with us a lot about the human behavior aspect of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but we just wanted to have him on the show because he's been enjoying it so much that we just wanted to make him a part of the fun. So please welcome Mr. Terrence Fleming. Yeah, welcome. Guest, 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 guest. Oh my goodness. Very, very (laughs) thankful. Very, very thankful to be here. (laughs) And ready to talk about some, you know, unique horror that that that, that we watch. Um, it's very, it's very uh, unique. Before we get into, but, but before we get into that, uh, Terrence, I do want to just start off asking you, and then you can trickle on to down the rabbit hole. But your first interest in horror, and anything, what what just kind of led you into the genre? Have you experienced anything with? acting in something of a horror-like nature, because I know you also do short films as well. Uh, so just tell us your relationship with horror. Um, I would definitely say I had a, you know, a trinkle into horror type lifestyle that I feel like a lot of people have. You know, I started off with not necessarily searching for horror, but, you know, I saw the first Scream movie and it was like hilariously scary. So it was it was one of those types of things where it's like, yo, I can really appreciate this. And then, you know, um, I, I know what you did last summer comes out and it's like, cool, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. And then Final Destination type of um, horror comes out and I'm like, oh, okay. So, and, and I never really found a very specific like avenue of horror that, that I like to go down, whether it's like psychological, whether it's like um, gorophobic or, or whatever, you know, just, it's kind of like, oh, I, I like these scary things. These things are, th- these things are cool. I, I like sitting on edge and being like, oh, my nerves feel bad. Why do I do this to myself? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, and also, you know, I guess like, like movies like Anaconda, you know, obviously sit, sit well in my heart. <laughs> Terrence, I, and I know people. <laughs> no, I think, I think you and I are kindred spirits. There is nothing that I love more than a weird animal attack movie. I Listen. like, did, like, like I watched like the second that crawl came out. I like, I like had to watch it. Like that, that stuff is like my jam. Listen, if it has any kind of word to describe how something is moving, I'm in it. Like slither, like slither, like what? That's yeah. Or like eight-legged freaks. That to me, that is hum- comedically how it is. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm a very like. If you look down my movies list, it, there aren't a bunch of necessarily A-listed movies that you know. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, and I think we've had this conversation, Terrence, about how much you kind of like the C D list movie. Oh like that's your, your bread and butter. So it's it's oh, yeah. I guess apropos that you're joining us with <laughs> Texas Chainsaw. 
massacre, uh, at least this one, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll divulge in our thoughts about it. Um, Brian, did you have another question for Terrence or? Yeah, Terrence, we, um, last week we talked about the original, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. And I'm pretty, and, and I think you watched it again, just to prepare for this one. Um, just quickly, if you wouldn't mind, just so we have more context around, you know, this one, and because this is a direct sequel to that one. Um, what are your feelings, thoughts? Do you like that one? Is it not for you? Like, what, what do you think of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? Um, to be honest, like, like step, stepping into it, like, seeing it and trying to understand what it was for the time that it was made. Like you can see the ideas of horror that they had back then that, you know, like somebody's freaking out. So the camera's moving back and forth, getting all close to the eyes. So you can see the, the veins in their eyes and, it, and you just, so it's very much like trying to, trying to shove down your throat, the horror and the way that person is. is sure. And, and so I fully, I fully grasped it. Um, it's not easy. It's not hard to get me on board with things. It is not hard. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is where we are. The first 15 minutes was just talking about <laughs> the movie or what it's about, about to be about. And then that one shot of that, that reddish orange world with the skeleton looking scarecrow. Yes. Sat there from, it felt like forever just staring yes. at it, listening <laughs> to this person speak. And just the, as y'all talked about, which I very much agree, just the, the absurd, absurd actions of these people. Like just, if, if, if we're being real, these movies are really about people dying justly because they trespass on someone's property. Uh, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. in no world, and, and mind you, it may be privilege, it may be that mentality, but in no world am I like, yo, I can just walk to this person's house. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Love it. Right. Well, but we're I did gonna... enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I, I, I will say I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it more than the, the one we just watched. So I, I will be 110 <laughs> say. Uh, we'll get more into that in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking on it, we need to give a plot summary of the happenings of the Texas Chainsaw. Who's, who's up? Whose turn is it? What's the plot? <laughs> Jamie, you I'll should do, do it. it. Oh yeah, Terrence, yes, the guest coming guest, in hot. Guest, guest, let, let, coming in hot. I love it. <laughs> All right, uh, we are here. We go. Uh, you have two minutes to describe Ooh. the very detailed plot of yeah. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ready, go. Okay, so movie opens up. You hear in the background them talking about the murder that has happened in Texas in the beginning. So you hear it on the radio coming from a guy at a gas station. Aha. I see they did that. Um, and so now the kids walk here, you see the um, one sister, um, Lila, Lila, whatever her name is. Um, yeah. She is sitting there listening to it because she's having her experiences. Because little do we know that she has been traumatized by a school shooting. And so next thing you know, they run into a guy with a gun. The older sister Melody makes some joke and trying to protect her. So that shows you the fragileness that she has of her sister for the experience that she had. They are on their way to this town that they have invested in slash bought so they can build a new utopia and make a place where people can get away from the city. Boom. Sure. Whatever flows your boat. And so they get there and, and there's a lady, there's an old lady who lives in this house and they're like, Hey, old lady, you got to get out. And, and one you know, minute. 
Appreciate it. Yeah. And the black guy's like, hey, you got to get out. And she's like, uh, what? This is my house. He's like, nope, it ain't. And then they find, and so they get her removed. She dies when they're trying to remove her. Her son up there loses his mind when she dies in the police car. So he kills the policeman around them. And next thing you know, he's cutting her face off, putting her face on. Oh, there's Leatherface. And then he heads back to the crib. He kills people in there, killing everyone on the bus. And in the midst of this, we got Sally, OG girl. She's like, hey, I'm a sheriff now. I'm built for this. And so then she goes and she tries to kill him. It doesn't work because she gets knocked out. But then she gets one more shot. And then the girl who's been traumatized the whole time by guns ends up using a gun to show that she's overcoming her fear. But then it all kind of shits down the drain because they both end up dying anyway. Because Leatherface is still alive and I don't know how. That's the plot. <laughs> that was spectacular. That was fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, great job, Terrence. I think you got that dead on. And now let's get into everything that is whatever the message of this movie is. So let's just start off with what the new segment that we call likes and gripes <laughs> in, in, the, in the movie. And I'll just say I have a few, so I'll, I'll start off and then I'll, we'll kick it off to, to Jamie of just generalized likes and gripes about the movie. First off, I also, I guess, am realizing it doesn't take much to get me invested in something because I loved the setup of a ghost town, a small ghost town-esque as the atmosphere for this. And I do appreciate them putting it in to modern times because sometimes you do just have to go with what's going on right now and uh to i don't know not to make it believable i take i'll take that back what i was going to say but i liked how it was in the present time i love how they kept all the gore of it and times it by 10 because everybody's insides were on the outside and that's i guess what was the thing that kept me invested in it was the gore porn of it all because again i am an avid fan of all the Saw movies. And so if that's what you're going to be, totally fine. Just slash all the things, do all the things. But what I also enjoyed was that at least there was a purpose to it, quote unquote, not that it's justified purpose, but there was a purpose to why Leatherface was killing all the people, which I think is one of the gripes I had about the OG one. And the gripe, the biggest gripe that I had, and I feel bad saying this, but I don't feel bad saying this because I am a black woman, but the umbrella black girl who was what I'm going to call her, the black girl who had the umbrella, she made me the most upset with every decision that she made that I just, I, I wanted to go into the screen and kill her myself because how black woman of the 2022s are you making all of these terrible ass decisions? And we'll get into the details of that, but I feel like she was the catalyst in why all of those people died because of her stupidity. And I just want vengeance for all of those dead people because she was awful. And that's all I'm going to say, Jamie. <laughs> oh man. I, I definitely share a lot of sentiments about just the choices that people made overall. I wasn't crazy about this one. Um, even though like, yes, they pushed a story on us to like, you know, show us Leatherface's motivations, so to speak. But 
like, okay, first of all, what, what, like white nonsense is this where they're all like buying this town to create a utopia? Like what is going on? (laughs) Right. What is going on? I was just so, I was so confused. I, I like, it's, it's just like the most ridiculous, like millennial nonsense that I, it was going to be really hard. I, I even said to Brian, I was like, cause I think we paused it in the middle and then like kept watching later. But I was like, I'm, I'm having a really hard time like empathizing with any of these people because they're all like pretty awful. Um, and, and you know, I, I definitely want to talk about like how they use gentrification in this movie, because I kind of feel like they misused it. Like it didn't, they, there wasn't necessarily uh, for me, there wasn't a message. I feel like there's been other contemporary horror, like the new Candyman and other things where they use gentrification, like as a tool to move the story forward. And I, I just don't understand why they like use that as a major plot point And then, and then trying to get me to like care about any of these characters. And then, and then they sprinkle in that, uh, that Lila, was the victim or survivor of a, of a, of gun violence at their school. And I'm just like, they are throwing so much, like so much, like very heavy material at us, but also the way that all these characters are acting, like does not align for me. So I'm just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel watching all of this unfold. And then you know, obviously they were in the wrong when they go into um, the old woman's home and they made a mistake. And, and the, the sister Melody was like, I feel like her behavior kind of like shifted rapidly. And that was really, yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, is that just me? Or like, she was like really gung ho on her, you know, utopia plan. And then started to really question and like doubt everything in that in that moment. And I was like, why wouldn't you just like back down? Like, why are you, I mean, her friend Dante, like escalated things, but like, I don't know. She just didn't do enough in that moment. I felt like to deal with Dante and be like, Hey, like let's pause before we keep, like they should have paused much sooner. I just don't understand. And then then she has like this health thing. Oh my God. I just, yeah. I think the more I talk about it, the more upset I actually am about this movie. Yes. And, and I feel like I was expecting more from, um, Fede Alvarez, who, uh, was like one of the store, like helped with the story. He's, mm-hmm. he's like partially credited for the story and he did don't breathe. And he did the reboot that he oh. did. And so like, I, I do like him and I like the things that he does, but like this just wasn't it for me. This just didn't really land for me. <laughs> Yeah, and and, and the st- I watched it again t- um, today. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm so I, sorry. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> I was like, hold on, something. <laughs> I was like, there's some kind of because I watched it first, and then I went back and watched the OG um, um, Texas Chainsaw Master, and then I was like, okay, <laughs> I thoroughly liked the older one. I was like, I thoroughly liked it. And and that one was uh, you know well but I was still like okay I I like you more him cop coming out of nowhere and just like that first kill is 
is <laughs> like hilariously magnificent. And that it's like the first kill in the older one. Dude just walking through the house and he just comes out of nowhere and just Oh goes, yeah, in the first one. Yes. Yeah, it's a great it's it a is, great first kill. Yeah. Magnificent. <laughs> yes. Um but like yeah, there, there, there was so much that, that was just happening and like my main thing was who who dropped the ball on the whole deed thing? Who dropped the ball? Like because how do deeds work? I clearly don't know. I have um, no yes. idea. And that, was, and that was one of my questions, Terrence, too, because the police was, they were getting the old lady out and saying, you know, the bank has already been contacting you for weeks now. You already knew that this was happening. So it led me to believe that, oh, well, they did get the deed because the police even know that the bank came to her house, but right. then the deed is at her house. So then what happened? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. And and once again, and like you said, Jamie, the character shift in these people, the character shift in these people in that moment, because when you first meet them in the beginning, they give you, it's not as strong as it could be, but they give you a strong idea of who these people are. They give you a strong idea of who these people are within mm-hmm. the first like three minutes of the movie, which is great. I'm like, okay, cool. I can ride with these people. But then 15 to 20 minutes into the movie, they're making choices and showing and, and acting in certain ways. I'm like, whoa, that doesn't seem like that person would have done this. Dante, I was not expecting him to have been that much of a dick, but he was <laughs> in that moment. But then I had to realize, like, was it because was he so triggered by the flag? Like, was he yeah. so triggered by the flag? Because now if she had now he had seen the flag and then he still played it cool. And then she said, oh, <laughs> I, I'm fine with Negroes. Then that's when you snap off. <laughs> that, that's when you get, <laughs> yes, yes. That's when you cap. You know what I mean? But he, like, he was already snapping. He was already yeah. like, "No, you got to go." So I'm like, "Were you that triggered by the flag?" I get the seeing the flag and being like, oh, "I'm not. I'm not a fan of that." But it's like, yo, like you're trying to build a utopia. So I would think that you're the kind of person, and this may be diving too deeply quickly into the character development, but it's like, you're trying to build a utopia. So I'm thinking that you're the kind of person who's more likely to push towards the peaceful resolution than the yes. non-peaceful resolution. But but you're yes. sitting there trying to push it. You're sitting there pushing the envelope. He's like, oh man, you're stepping out of pocket already. I don't even believe this is who you are. That's <laughs> the person I met in the car. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He also was going to call it Dante Topia. So, like, take so that so with what you will. So, he might yes. be in it for the wrong reasons anyway. So, he, <laughs> might, he might be in it for the wrong No, that's, that's a great, that's a great couple of points. Give us, do you have any things that you particularly liked about this? Or was it still just, like, I, mean, like, I mean, like, once it hit the ground, ground running, once it hit the ground running and the kills, like, it was after he slashed Dante in the face. It was like right after he slashed him in the face, that's when the momentum started to pick up. I was like, okay, I see it. All these people are on this bus. Okay. He, they're about to make him go have a bus massacre. Okay, I'm here. I'm here for it. Whatever. And but if and and I guess like as Nikita said in, in y'all's last podcast, it was like, oh, lo and behold, the wrench was the thing that did it. <laughs> For them in this movie, oh, I guess it was the corkscrew that got away. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but I still, I still cannot process the wrench being thrown and him just falling apart. But I mean, to have the little what was it—a chainsaw corkscrew? Yeah, the corkscrew that yeah. went into. I mean, I, I would, I would buy that a little bit more because that's actually penetrating the body. Mm. As opposed to a wrench just getting thrown. I mean, 
bullets aren't aren't seemingly it's like a uh what a, a michael myers situation where bullets aren't getting to you so you really gotta get in hey, there so. wrenches are heavy you know <laughs> i feel like if someone lobbed a wrench at you you might not be uh well yes my on your feet five my five foot two <laughs> absolutely i would be knocked out his six five large exterior i, d- I don't think it's the same <laughs> it was fair a specific point, type of wrench <laughs> it, it wasn't a regular wrench. It was a um, what kind of wrench is that? It was a the monkey wrench, or is that or um, was, I don't know. I'm those, acting like but, I know. But, but it was one of those heavy <laughs> duty wrenches. It was one of those. It was one of those. You're not coming back type of wrench. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, fair. All right. I, we'll 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 leave it at that. That <laughs> Brian, <laughs> do you have some likes and, and gripes for this? Yeah, I agree with Terrence. The bus scene is this is the reason this movie was made. Um, that was just like really like the gore in this movie is gory. Like if that's what you came for this movie for, like you got it. Um, so like, I, I like that kind of, like I like that. I like the first time he broke the guy's arm uh, or his hand. Like, like meanwhile, here he is breaking a guy's arm, but like, you know, but, but the little white girl in the front seat is like really keeping him at bay. Like, Oh, okay. Sure, buddy. Um, also, what's also, her name? Okay. We watch with Isn't subtitles. It no, it was, yeah, Pam. No. So, it was Ruth. <laughs> it was so Ruth. her name is Ruth, and that's online. If you watch the movie with subtitles on, it says Dante's partner. She does not have a name in the movie. I, 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 I was like flabbergasted. It was wild. Dante's <laughs> she partner. wasn't that important. She wasn't no. that important. She's like, the oh, only. She's em- very dead. She's going to die very early on. <laughs> she's the only what empathetic one. Who's like, let me ride with them, and everyone else is like, I don't care. I'm building a utopia. Um, now, can we talk about now, Lakeisha? I understand you said that you were like, I guess it was you having a an intimate moment with the with the umbrella black girl, which is why it was upsetting you. Like the decision, like everything Dante did, I was like, homie, listen, <laughs> like, man, you yes. can't have this. The moment he was like, yo, I'm going to go get the police, walked out the door and then closed it behind him, closing her in the house with this old uh, lady that she doesn't. <laughs> also, if I was in, if I was in a middle of nowhere place in Texas and an old lady like that I maybe forcefully gave a heart attack was like in like and had to be taken to the hospital in a like not even an ambulance, a, a police officer's like like <laughs> station wagon. I'm not sending Jamie to like, hey, can you just like sit in the front seat? Like if she said, like, first I'm gonna all, go with the I'm gonna be like, the no. First point, I wouldn't even be in this town. You're not gonna catch me dead in the middle of nowhere ever. Well, yeah, like all those people. They're dead in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um cha. Uh but yeah, so what one of my biggest gripes about this movie is not the terrible dialogue, is not the weird acting, is not the human behavior, like it all is, but like it's not all that. My biggest gripe with this movie is are two things that kind of twine mix together. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie takes these hippies who the only reason is to see if their grandpa was like, if, if his um, grave was like messed up and, and, and then they get lost and they, they, and then they trespass. And it's just like, it's this like 
they're taking this like free spirited hippie van and then you're pitting them against like in the in what some people consider like the most red state in the most hickey of places with the most conservative disgusting types of people that we could potentially like create on film we're putting them against each other even though the movie maybe doesn't know what it has to say the the unsettling nature of the movie throughout the whole thing is enough for that like that dichotomy to like feel important this movie doesn't understand that this movie does not understand why the first texas chainsaw massacre is good it tries to take halloween and it tries to take all the reboots of these other movies that we've seen and try to make something of it when it doesn't understand why it works for those and what what why texas chainsaw massacre the first one is that like is is unique in the chain of all these movies so that's my biggest that's my first gripe my second gripe is this like jamie said and like we all said this movie introduces so many themes it introduces the theme of like you know, millennials and Gen Z, um, you know, like this, like this utopia. And then it's pitting us against like these, you know, right wing gun toting, you know, like, like, like crazy people in Texas. That's fine. You're trying to recreate kind of what you did. And they're just going in an extra length with like them driving a Tesla and them like trying to create a sound like that's fine. Whatever. I also agree with you, Nikisha. I really liked the um, haunted village vibes. Um, this actually felt more like this. This setup felt more like a haunted house story than it did a Texas Chainsaw story. Um, but just to wrap my point up, um, I just didn't understand what they were trying to do with like the idea of gentrification and the idea of a school shooting and the idea of like, and then so on the flip side of it, like, <clears throat> did he put like is the only reason he's putting on his mother's his, his adopted mother's or the orphanage mother's face because it's a throwback to the original where he's like wearing the face and like putting the make and put the makeup on like we don't know if that was his mother in the first one thing or maybe he was just trying to be the woman of the house or i i don't know but in this one like i didn't understand why and maybe jamie can answer this like why he wanted to like become his mother or like no like i got nothing that <laughs> also made no sense i i think the same thing as you like i i thought that they left it kind of like not totally clear in the original one of like why he was i always assumed it was like he was wearing the one of his victims faces that that he was you know doing and so like i i don't understand what purpose it served for him to wear her face or like then he also like kind of set her up out in the field before. Also the time that he left, left where the car crashed, went back to the house, got the outfit, went back to where the car crash was, changed his mom, propped her up and then went back to the town. Like how, how fast is this dude? I mean, we saw him running a few times, but like, I just don't understand how he, yep. he was like in two places at once. The timeline of this movie made no sense to me when we were watching like the town and he was always there, but he was also doing all of this stuff out in the field. Like, I uh, does he time travel now? Is that like a new part of the season? <laughs> also, chain? I don't know. Yes. That, that shot of his head popping up outside the dead sunflowers, like we were laughing. <laughs> it, it was a hilarious shot and let's just go ahead and, and get into everything that is 
the many themes of this because we got to hit where the mental health is. And like Brian pointed out with another movie we were watching, when you're watching it from the lens of talking horror, it does raise a lot of interesting questions about mental health, regardless of what we feel about the movie. There's still some things to talk about in regards to human behavior specifically, which we've delved a little bit into, but we will get more into, but specifically the themes related to mental health. And we've brought up the school, uh, shooting issue, which is a very sensitive issue and something that is, can be standalone, but compounded with all of this stuff, it gets a little muddled. But my question when I was watching this for you, Jamie, is the trauma associated with surviving a gun shooting. And in the case of Lila, we see her developing an interest in the guns with the man who was in the town and she wanted to hold the gun. And it, like Terrence brought up, she event, she eventually had to use a gun to save her life. So I guess my question is, is that a believable thing that the one thing that was traumatizing you, you now become interested in, in a sense? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was interesting. I feel like they were trying to say something like, I don't know, like subverting what you expect about people who've experienced trauma. And and the reality is, is, you know, no, there's no one right way, so to speak, of what a trauma response looks like. The like when I talk to anybody who survived any kind of trauma or any kind of like disturbing event or anything serious like that, you know, I think that there's both this sense of like a universal, like you're not alone because like, you're not the only one who's been through something like this. And like, there's other people who have experienced similar things, but also like the highly individual piece of how you might be going through this is, is very unique. And you might not be experiencing things or processing things in the ways that other people have. And, and that's okay too. So it's like, it's, there's this duality between like, you know, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have who have survived school shootings and and a lot of people who have survived like, you know, all these traumatic events. And and so there's like like an understanding and an empathy amongst like survivors who have been through things. But again, it's like how she's processing this might look very different from how other people might be processing it. Um, But I I just I feel like that's what they were trying to go for. I had a really hard time buying it just based on kind of how she was presenting herself in, in all of these situations. Um, and because I feel like ultimately the message was like, you can't run from these things. You have to face them head on, which I also find pretty problematic, especially like incorporating this cool shooting aspect into it. Cause I think it's like, you know, people are going to do what they need to do to survive. And I don't think exactly. that there is one right way to, to survive, you know, like you, you are making choices and taking action based on, you know, fight or flight, as we've been talking about it, your body is like literally trying to get you to survive that moment. It is life or death. And like, whatever you end up doing is like, you know, in an effort to save yourself. And so I think that it's, it's kind of frustrating if that's like, at least that's like the message that I picked up on, which I'm like, I hope that's not what other people get from this. But like, I just found it kind of gross saying that, you know, you can't, you can't run from it because you'll like fixate on it forever. You have to, you know, dive right into the, the craziness unless they're saying like, you know, you have to like 
process and unpack it, which maybe that's what they're saying, but they certainly have a wild way of saying it, if that's the case. Um, yeah. but like I, so all that to say, um, I don't think it's like totally a hundred percent unbelievable that she would take some kind of interest in guns or weapons, like, especially as a tool that had caused so much violence in her life and like the power that it, that somebody holding it can wield. Um, and, and so like, you know, maybe in an effort to like better understand the trauma is what drew her to it, um, as like a curiosity in a way. Um, so I don't think it's like totally off base, but maybe it's the less common reaction I would say. Yeah. And I'm glad that you actually brought that up because that was something that I was wanting to ask you in regards to the phrase, if you run, he'll never stop haunting you, which I think is what Sarah, the OG survivor said. And thank you for your comments about Sally. Sally. (laughs) Is it Sally or Sarah? I thought it was Sarah was the OG survivor. Is it Sally? It is. It is Sally. Oh God! Well, Sarah's the yeah, Sarah's Sally. one of the actresses in this movie, but Sally's right. the character's name. Okay, Miss Sally. Well, <laughs> since we're on the subject, S-words. it's one of those S words. I'm sorry. She just was. It, it was back in great. 1974. You're you're fine. Which you know, and it's not it's not played by the same actress. It's played by somebody else. Which I thought that was also interesting. Uh, well, the but, original actress passed away in 2014. Oh, okay. Gotcha. 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 I, I actually looked that up. <laughs> no, I looked that up. No, seriously, because I looked that up because like all these other movies are bringing back the old, the old, yeah. like, why wouldn't this one? And, 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 and I, and I learned why. They couldn't do, they couldn't do like the CG, um, uh, oh, like CGI. They the Star Wars. Oh, yeah, no, not God. this time. Um, no, speaking of Sally, I know we're skipping to the end, but like, I can't not pass up the opportunity now to talk about how the, the, the original one, you did a pickup truck screaming and this one, she said, she said an automatic Tesla. <laughs> oh, uh, I never even thought about that connection, but what <laughs> it is moving so slow and it was so slow you're on the <laughs> way home you see that you are in a barren land tesla senses everything around you there's nothing around you and then you're just gonna go two miles an hour so you can show yourself off oh uh, here here's a here's a question oh. sorry this just came this just this just came into my head like if you just went through that crazy traumatic experience like that was like crazy traumatic. I, I, they seem so calm in that car to be like, I guess we'll never come here again. <laughs> like, no, uh-uh. Yeah, well, I'd be, I, I don't like, want to even be out. here anymore. <laughs> like I would, there's no way I'd be like auto drive. I'd be like pedal to the floor, getting out of this town. Here's my problem. There is no way she ran up. And like homie pulled her into the water. They both fall in it. For one, we know they didn't fight down. We know it wasn't like some kind of like underwater brawl, you know? So yes. <laughs> and she just crawls out of the water all slow and hum. Like, oh, I have survived. Let me get out of here and roll over very slowly. Like he's probably not still in there. 
Yeah, that was. I was like, "There's no urgency. No one has any urgency." No one had, (laughs) no one had a sense of urgency, and it's just the fact that all of this stuff has just happened to you. And I guess I'm disagreeing with Brian that the the fact that why are you not going a hundred miles an hour? And then even going back to Terrence with that particular scene, when they quote unquote thought they killed him, even when um, the sister Melody was, was Melody the one who had the chainsaw who eventually got to him. Okay. And then it didn't even look like she really nicked him because they're, (laughs) she takes the chainsaw and goes up to his face. She booped him. She she, booped him right in the nose. That's exactly what happened. She booped him in the nose. Why are you not cutting his head off and making sure that he is dead? And I also understand that if he's down, then okay, you have time to run away, but run away at a hundred miles an hour. Don't just be doodly dot bop around. And that's why she, (laughs) that's why she got booed. One of my favorite edits was when they were in the bus and they were driving away and you see the bus passing and you see him just standing there with the chainsaw, Mm. like as the bus is passing. Yes. Because I'm watching it and I'm thinking about these things. I'm like, I was waiting to see how far the bus got until he actually started to pursue the bus mm-hmm. and, and it just clipped. And I was like, there's no fucking way that he would have called that bus and cut that tire. There is no way he would have did it, but it, it no. was like, I get He's it, like very speedy and then like very stoic. And then like, mm-hmm. wow. And yeah, also, also my biggest issue was with that Ruth friend girl, like, yo, you clearly see he's around you. I would have, I would have played possum in that truck for hours if that was the case. Yes, <laughs> like, thank I'm you. Yes, thank you. I'm not moving. <laughs> I think I put that. Look, we're. I uh, know. I was gonna say. I just. I think I put that in my notes that you got to wait way longer than what you did sitting on no, that bus. Dark. It, it, it's dark before I leave. It before is dark I leave before to I make sure. Yes. No. no, absolutely not. But, but I was gonna say, I think he cut her face off. I, the whole thing about his face, what, why he wore her face, like, and I got the vibe that he was doing it in some kind of semblance. Because I remember the Melody girl, I think she was one who was apologizing, who was like, "I'm sorry for what I did to your mother, for, for what I did to her," and mm-hmm. it felt like, in a way, he was wearing her face to get like her revenge. You know what I mean? It felt like. He was under, oh, like, at least as, as like. his mom. Yeah. Well, that that's interesting because the that relate is that were they trying to make a connection between that and then like I think Nikisha, you have a question about this, like w- what Sally does to him, like before she like hunts him down or whatnot, like in terms of like getting revenge for or like being acknowledged. You know what I mean? Do you, Nikisha, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Sally, Sally, that's her name, Sally. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, no, no, that, that, that's a great connection, Brian and Terrence, because my question for Jamie was in the moment where Sally wanted Leatherface to recognize her before she did the deed of trying to kill him as someone who has survived the traumatic experience that Sally has survived, why was it so important? Well, why do you think it was so important for uh, him to recognize her, especially because we all know that this is not technically the same leather face that was from 74. Correct me if you think, or tell me if you think differently, but this is not the same guy 
So why was she asking for him to remember? Like he, he wouldn't remember her. But anyway, my original question is why would someone uh, surviving that trauma would need that kind of, I don't know, rect- rectification is probably not the right word. Why, why would she need uh, him to recognize her? <laughs> yeah, I, I am still confused, I guess, if they are trying to say that it's the same Leatherface or not. Um, especially with the stupid ending. Because I was like, oh, what? They're going to have him walk to the house? Oh, of course. He's walking to the stupid house. Why? Like, I don't, I don't understand, like... At first, I was like, maybe he's related. I don't know, and was given up for adoption. I have no idea, but like, I I don't know. And so, if if he is the OG Leatherface, even if he's not, I guess <clears throat> I kind of took that as like her trying to like feel empowered after after this like victimization and like trying to kind of trying to take it back and, and be like, you know, I want you to know that it was me. This wasn't just like, like you might've attacked my friends and like, didn't even care about who they were because she says their names before she like has him acknowledge her. And she's like, like in trying to say like, do you remember me? Um, but also I guess like we're to assume that like, I guess with the OG, if it's the same guy, I still don't know. But, like, we're to assume that Leatherface in general has probably, like, murdered quite a few people. And so right. I, it's also interesting because it's, like, you know, is this somebody who is just, like, willy-nilly murdering and not, like, thinking about it? And And, again, they did trespass. So, like, you know, is it, is he going out of his way to murder people or is it just people who happen to be, you know, coming into, into his space? Um, and, and again, not that murder is, is condoned here on, on talking horror, but, um, yeah. So like, I, I feel like there's something symbolic for her of like needing him to acknowledge, you know, (laughs) their deaths and, and her as like, I want you to know that, that I like both for a sense of revenge, but also in kind of like taking back the power, not just being this nameless survivor, but like, this is who I am. Um, But I didn't fully see this connection because like in the beginning, they have this story of the real Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like, where's Sally? Nobody knows. And then finding out that she like was a police (laughs) officer and then, and then still I'm like, how is she both? Like, I'm really confused about like, where what she's doing and where she's mm-hmm. at and and like what are they trying she to say about pigs? <laughs> cutting up pigs in a in a right. in an old barn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I, I was just like very. She also like didn't. Stre- I don't know. It's also very maybe ironic. I don't know if that's the right word, but like that she started out as a hippie and then like became a police officer. <laughs> Yikes! Wow, what a connection. <laughs> like that oh, that's trajectory is like really yeah. bonkers. I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah. I, I do not think that it's the same Leatherface. Like in that the picture in the orphanage said 1973, and I think we're to assume that like the bigger kid, like in the doorway with the scratched away face, was this kid, and like he grew up. So if he was a kid in 1973, then like he at that orphanage then uh then he wouldn't have been the same leatherface 
but that that even makes the end even more confusing. Like, was this was he like an escaped person from the original one? Was he part yeah. of their family and then was found by this lady orphanage? But if it's not that far away, like I'm sure they could have found him again. I don't know. And it then was, why would she have a chainsaw in her wall? Why oh. not get rid of the chainsaw? For one, he was a bad boy. She said, don't go in my room. He went straight to her room. He directly <laughs> disobeyed her. <laughs> he directly disobeyed. So now they're on him. But also, like, you, I have to believe it would have taken way less effort to take that chainsaw somewhere else and get rid of it and destroy it. And it did. <laughs> To, than it did to build a wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, maybe that's why he wore the face because he didn't go into the room. His mom's face went into the room. Oh. Oh. I love that. Okay. <laughs> he did not disobey. It was her. I love uh, this. I'm into that. I dig that. Yeah. I'm in. All in. Definitely. Uh, well, Terrence, I think you had a question for Jamie as well about some mental health things happening. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, like it, like in the first one, you see like and because, you know, the first one has all these extra long shots and extra long um, moments in it. And, you know, for whatever it was, it was ridiculous. Um, but there was like there was a moment when they told him to be the one to wash the blood off the truck. It's like, OK, sure. But, but then everyone just leaves. And then they all go upstairs. They're all having fun. No one is even thinking about this, about her brother. And in the beginning, I mean, when they're describing them and you're reading, the narrator even calls him an invalid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so it's like they're already leaning into like this lesser than type of like energy for that character. And to show everyone kind of just disregard Franklin and just like, because at the end of the day, you see, he was the one who was like, yo, something's wrong. So you could say that he was the one who was channeling and realizing that something was strange. So it could be them also commentating on how someone who may not necessarily be normal may just be functioning on a different plane. You know what I mean? So like that also maybe, at least that's kind of where I started to take it. Like, of course, Franklin is the one who is picking up on this different energy because he's different. So like he might be tracking on something that they're not tracking on. But um <sighs> The but 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 you see that that's kind of where everything falls apart because they keep trying to like they almost treat him like an outcast and so that's and you see that kind of thing is happening with the sister who was a part of the school shooting it's kind of like revolving around that them patronizing her or like trying to like baby her or, or things in that sort you know and and it just it just it just felt like they were using those two characters to show the flaws of the other characters and kind of be like oh well you know these are people who are inconsiderate these are people who are who aren't paying attention these are selfish people you know so like it it, it almost it, you, um, you don't feel as bad about them dying i would say the person i felt the most sad about dying was franklin out of out of both movies mm. out of both movies and everyone i was like damn like franklin was like like he was the one I felt the worst about dying. I was like, oh, well, that sucks. And the ending of the second one was, I hated it. But, but, <laughs> um, but like, do you think that there might be something there, Jamie, as far as like how they're using those characters? I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, 
I guess like, I feel like there's this like interesting intersection between like these kind of othered characters, but also like the use of the final girl. And like in this one, the othered character becomes the final girl. And, and like in, in the OG Texas Chainsaw, like, you know, the final girl there, there's like a disconnect from that. And there's like a part of me that's wondering, you know, I feel like there's often this alignment between like the ones that are other that like we're supposed to root for. And then like the, the bad guy entity as like also being othered again with a lot of these like similar kind of tropes of like, you know, the, the murderers who have like mental illness and like are, are, you know, neurodivergent and things like that. But I don't know, like it's, I still don't really know what they're trying to say, like connecting it back to the present in this one, at least of like, what are they trying to say other than like her overcoming what, what has othered her. And I think that, you know, they highlight a lot of the relationship between like the sisters and, you know, Melody looking out for Lila. And I think that's, that's kind of more of where I see it coming from. Like there's, you see the relationship between the siblings and Melody feeling this pressure to like take care of her sister because this awful trauma had, had happened to her and she's like looking out for her. Um, and then, and then Lila feeling like, you know, a little bit overwhelmed by that and feeling like she has to, you know, act a certain type of way or, or, you know, figure out things, make sense of the trauma that she experienced, but like also might be feeling that pressure from her sister. I couldn't even remember that like Franklin and Sally were related. Like their relationship is like super weird. And it took me a pretty significant amount of time into the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre to realize that like they have any relationship, let alone a blood relationship. Like they didn't act like siblings. And so like, and then at the end you have this like, (laughs) not end, but like the frustration between, you know, him not wanting to be left alone and like trying to survive, like trying, like getting into the argument over the flashlight, which like, man, I hated that scene so much infuriated me. I'm like, why are you being so annoying right now? Like, let's not die guys. Like we're together. And, but like, you know, that's the only time where I feel like there's this energy where they're like butting heads, but it's not even like, a sibling kind of butting heads it it like that doesn't even seem to kind of be at the core of it so i don't i don't know if i'm making any points in <laughs> in what i'm talking about but like i i feel like they push more of that relationship in this to like explain why she's like this outcast outsider and in the original one i feel like I don't really know what they were trying to say about him being the outsider or like there's the weird part in the van where there's like almost this connection between, um, between him and, um, I don't even remember that character's name. The guy, the hitchhiker. His name was literally hitchhiker. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that's like a weird moment again of like being aligned with other, like this is like Franklin's the closest to like us normal people, but like him having this like moment where they almost see eye to eye is like this weird connection. 
And, and that's, I feel like the closest that you get, but then it's very much like, Oh, like that was a really weird experience. Or like, what if they're going to come after me now? Or like, like he's trying to realign himself with the group and they're kind of still treating him like an outsider and, and like making fun of him and like doing all of that. I feel like in this one, Melody is like way more overprotective and, and like trying to tuck her sister away and like, and like, you know, talks to the, the random truck owner with the gun and like, you know, is getting in people's faces and like definitely on the offense, way more offensive and aggressive in, in trying to be overprotective. Um, but it then doesn't necessarily allow for like Lila to feel or, or not feel, but like connect with any other, any other group that feels other than the movie. Like, I don't think she's like connecting with Leatherface or the mom or like she has no interaction with the mom. Right. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. Just going back to Lila's trauma. And this is my last question. And then I would love to hear everybody's thoughts about the commentary on gentrification in this. So please prepare your hearts and minds. But my last mental health question in regards to Lila and her trauma, we talk a lot about fight, flight, freeze. And you said there was a fourth one, which was fawn. Fawn. Mm -hmm. Like F-A-W-N. Yes. And with Lila's first experience in the school shooting, with the flashbacks, it leads us to believe that she may have froze. That was her response. But then you have this similar trauma that's happening. And my question is, could your fight or flight instincts change when, if you so happen to unfortunately go through the same trauma again with different things? And then I would also like for you to talk about that awful bus moment where everyone pulls out their phones and believes, them, believes that them recording is and potentially canceling this person if he tries something that is their response not that there's blood and it also didn't help that umbrella black girl didn't go on the bus saying that she saw <laughs> somebody die she just gets on the bus and says didn't say nothing. A word. Say a word. that's what made me the most upset but i digress <laughs> I would love for you to just speak on, do you think that social media has affected our fight flight because they did not recognize Ooh. that they were in physical danger? They just thought that the presence of social media would save whatever the situation was. That's so interesting. So <clears throat> the first part of your question, I think that, I don't think from my understanding, and I could be wrong, but... I don't think that like our fight or flight responses are like fixed in terms of like, oh, I only freeze and I will only always freeze. Like I think that different situations when like our adrenaline is pumping, you know, will will warrant a different reaction depending on what the situation is and like what else is going on. And so I don't think that we are like destined to only have one of those types of responses. I think, again, it's about like, our brain, I mean, it's about like, you know, what's happening in our bodies, but also how are we assessing a situation to figure out like, how do I survive this? And, and I think, you know, that depends on like what the situation is, like what the context is. So I think it can be different. Um, and like this, I, I mean, I will say disclaimer, 
I have neither experienced a school shooting nor a Leatherface chainsaw situation or anything of the sort. And so, you know, I cannot speak to either of these experiences, but I also feel like they are presented in like very different ways. And so again, like, you know, how she responded in each situation, I think is based on the context and information at her disposal to like make whatever decision and like what her body is telling her what to do. Your other question is so interesting. Wait, before um, we before oh, we yeah. go to the Sephora's question, I, I do want to put in there that like I don't know if her reaction was freeze for the school shooting. I think she was shot on the ground and like couldn't move. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Like that, yes. that's that's what I got from that. Like, okay. she was like she was surrounded by the dead bodies of her classmates, and she was the survivor and like felt helpless like you know this is actually a better just i love what you're saying because it was almost like a forced freeze like 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 in harry you know uh spoiler alert like in a in the book harry potters when like he is he cannot he literally is frozen and cannot help dumbledore um mm-hmm. like like she is literally shot on the ground and like it's frozen and can't act on it and like maybe that informs her decision to like go for it in these movies because she was literally incapacitated but here she's not i don't again i don't know because it's Fair, all yeah but yeah i just wanted to throw that in before we moved into the spectacular question i cannot hear what jamie had to say about this <laughs> um no but thank you for clarifying too because i couldn't remember if there was like something specific about the action like what happened in the school shooting because they were like so brief um but yes your other question is super interesting to me and i don't think i'm gonna have like the answer but i do it it brings up a lot of thoughts in my head about like, I've seen so many things about um, like how, <laughs> how millennials act. And I feel like that's kind of the, the, the general age range of the folks that we're seeing in this movie, but like millennials have been through a lot of shit and, and like very intense traumas throughout their lifetimes. Um, you know, we have like September 11th, we have, um, the, 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 the housing crash, we have, uh, you know, Trump as president, we have a global pandemic, like all of these things that we just continue to <laughs> endure. Um, and of course that's going to have like a ton of psychological impacts on us and, and I am by no means like a, a researcher or somebody who studied kind of like overall societal implications of these things. But like, you know, I can imagine a sense of like being desensitized to certain situations because because it's been a part of our lives. And like the more you experience really intense atrocities, it's not going to mean that you'll like never have an, have some kind of reaction to it. But I do think that like, you know, over time, we we kind of become used to it, which is so awful to say. And so I think that there's this like moment of they're not recognizing the severity of the situation. They do not yet know that like this person is a threat. And and so, you know, like <laughs> this entitled millennial grouping of people 
think that what they can do to like get their way is to like document this person and through documentation because of, again, like millennials relationship to the internet and like how, I mean, it look, it's totally different from Gen Z who literally was born with it, but like our, our connection to it, like we are going to just like share all of this and, and like, that's, that's going to get our way. Like, that's how we're going to, you know, get what we want. And, and so it's just like, so, I mean, I like gasped in the, in watching this and I was just like, are you kidding me? That's wild. But I think that they're trying to say something. And I don't think that, I don't think that what they're trying to say is like that outrageous. I like, I, I'd like to hope that in, in wild situations, that's not the go-to, but again, like, I do think that there is this, this like over time, like learned response to, you know, documenting things and like how does documentation serve as a tool, whether it's like to protect ourselves, like if someone's making accusations and you want to have the facts, how does documentation serve as a tool to protect you? Um, Like, how are we using technology in these ways? And so like, I think that that's the intention behind it. And then, um, for some reason, they all like do Facebook live at the same time or whatever. And so you can see all the comments of like people watching live things and the comments were also like absolutely oh, insane. So good. Like, is this real? Like, where's this experience? This like what a cool hey, hey, house. There. Okay, yeah, where's yeah, the yeah. Up? Oh my gosh. I loved it. That is like, crazy. Yeah. But I, I think that, I think that it's such a good question because again, like, I'm thinking about all these themes that we're seeing in, in what I will call contemporary horror, which makes me sound like this like pretentious asshole, but like truly, I think it's, it is this shift from these, these like themes that we've seen in all horror movies of like final girl and, and like stuff like that, where it's like, things are going to evolve over time. We're still going to have slashers, but like, you know, it's, it's going to shift with whatever is important in the here and now. And like, this is, this kind of is what the experience is now. So like, that's an update that I think kind of grounds this film ever so slightly. I don't think this movie is very grounded, but I think that that's like kind of capturing, um, you know, like what, what the millennial experience kind of is to an exaggerated degree, um, which is wild. But I did have like a very strong reaction to to that happening in this and it was just like no please please stop like please yes. go run get out I don't understand <laughs> right and I guess it is because we as the audience know that they are in a horror movie so right. any kind of thing that is outside of the norm you need to be running away from not filming yeah. for Facebook live. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we went to our first haunted house all together in October and there was the one, there was one person who was like following us. And I think he was kind of like the leather facey kind of guy yes. of yes. that section. And I was just like talking shit on him to his face. And, and, <laughs> and like, of course, like now I'm thinking back and I'm like, oh, am I the one that's like going to get murdered in this, <laughs> in this situation? Oh. Because it's like in the context in my brain, I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm in a haunted house. So like, it's fake, but like, hey, now I'm going to create a new fear for myself. Hey, what if there is a real murderer that happens to enter the haunted house 
and starts real murdering people. And And how long does it take? (laughs) Yeah. How long does it take for, for other people to realize that it's real? Because that's part of it's, it's all feeding into itself. So, you know, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm dead. (laughs) No, I, I want to have faith that you will survive all of the things that are. I'll try the, I'll try the talk less smack to, uh, all of our hardworking haunted attraction uh, workers that we encounter in the future. Fantastic. Um, I have a, I have a question for the two actors in the podcast right now. Um, This movie, we talked about it a lot. This movie has a lot of characters acting out of character. The ones they set up and like, we're having a hard time justifying it and believing it as viewers of the movie. Um, when you're handed a script, and obviously this one is a horror script, so like there are kind of tropes and cliches that like come along with that, I guess, in certain, especially especially in slasher movies. Um, but when it comes to this, like when you're given a script and you see like a new script, or or the director is doing something with an older text, like something new that feels out of out of place, like how do you justify what you believe the character to be against the choices that they're making, where? Even if they're making bad choices, you can justify the bad choice they're making based on context, based on what their ultimate goals are and things of that nature. But like, how would you justify a choice that is just so bonkers bonkers? Go ahead, Terrence. You go first. Um, I mean, well, at the end of the day, I mean, rule of thumb is that, you know, um, you're rule of thumb is that you're always coming from a genuine place. You know, so regardless of whether or not it's an absurd response or whether or not it's a, someone like, you know, I may stab someone in the face and they'll be like, oh, that was an evil action. Yeah, but you don't, but to me, I wasn't being evil. To me, I was getting revenge or to me, I was getting justice or to me, you know, and so you you you, you do your best to try to find, find um, a reason for things. Like, that, but 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 there are some times where, as the act, like I always say to myself, some actors don't like the fact that you can't always be pretty on stage. Mm. Like like some actors don't like that. Some actors want if they're on stage, they want to be the person with the pretty hair. They want to be making pretty facial expressions so that the camera net never catches them off guard. They're always looking nice and mm-hmm. well together. But sometimes you got sometimes you got to get ugly on stage or get ugly on camera and I think that sometimes I have to grasp the fact of like you know what this choice makes absolutely zero sense to me and it might just be that this character is making a choice that is so irrational that now it's no longer time for me to justify the choice is more trying to seek what where did that irrationality come from I guess is, mm-hmm. is, is, that's kind of where, where you have to kind of change it because like I said if there's a choice that if you got something that you can't change, you're like, yo, I can't figure this out. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta figure it out. Yeah. Huh. yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that's a great point because you work with the director to find some type of genuine foundation with things. But like you said, Brian, coming from horror, there are already all of these tropes. And so you have to let go a little bit of, the genuine foundation in order to fulfill the genre, you know, because 
not only do you have to buy into it, the audience is already buying into it because they are horror fans. So they understand it. Like we're talking about now, even though we hate the decisions that they're being made, we can at least for a small minute second, just say, this is a horror trope and we're Mm -hmm. just going to let it be that in its sense. But (laughs) even when Terrence was just talking about trying to find some kind of justification within yourself, and if you can't, I think that's a great point, Terrence, then the the justification is that this is just an irrational thing, and that's all that you can Mm -hmm. go with and and stick with. And we've talked about irrational uh, decisions and stuff a lot of the times on this this podcast. Definitely. And (laughs) again, no rationality for you know, everything that Leatherface was doing. But if you just come at it with, this is the core, the the core of the character is irrationality, then that's something that's not just going in blank. And also the money, you know, get that paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make it work. Who cares? Make it work. (laughs) That's the answer. That is truly the truly answer. If you are okay and your moral sense is not compromised for the role that you are doing, make your money and go on. (laughs) Love it. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. You won't won't miss a wink of sleep. You won't miss a wink of sleep. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, I know, I mean, we've been talking so much, but so much good stuff about this that we're all speaking on. But can we just give me like two or three sentences just about the whole gentrification thing? Because we've skirted it a little bit but i (laughs) just really genuinely want to know because as terrence had pointed out with uh dante's character yes seeing a confederate flag and i guess it being such a prominent thing in the now time that you're like okay yeah confederate flag i can under i can understand why you're a little like huffy puffy about it but also Again, Terrence's point, you're trying to build a utopia. So why are you not going about it in the ways? And so I guess just for me, I, I, I could not justify what they were trying to say about gentrification because it was just so muddled in so many other themes because you were talking about wanting change so that you're not having the racism, you're not having the gun violence. Everyone is living together in harmony but you're kicking people out of this space. How did you get this space in the first place? There's so many questions with, with that. And for me, the, even though I, I guess I'm saying I liked the idea, but it wasn't executed. So I could go with the idea of some form of trying to build a better, whatever, 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 whatever. But I guess the idea was there, but it just wasn't executed well. So then it all just kind of fell apart. And I, growing up in the South, Terrence and I in Alabama and recognizing everything that comes with Confederate flags and still living in that space, you know, in the now and going home and seeing those spaces and people now. And, you know, it's, it's, it kind of tore me up just a little bit because again, I can understand why Dante is huffy puffy about it, but that did not justify his actions in the movie. And so things that were good ideas, but weren't executed well, that whole sequence for me. Uh, So yeah, Brian, do you want to speak a little bit about what you felt about just the generalization of gentrification in this? 
Yeah, I, 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 part of me really thinks that they just leaned into what is the hippie dippy of today that we can contrast with that. Um, and they leaned into that. I'm wondering if there was a script that was a little bit more, um, goes a little bit in more depth and then this is what got edited down um, to it. Um, that's another potential one. But I think when it comes down to it, it's you're they're just juxt they're just juxtaposing these these young idealists who want to build something great out of something terrible and then like like the inherent evil in this place or like or or you know leading up to it they're very 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 they're they're phoning it in not they're like they're really there's a megaphone to this movie at the beginning where everyone's like be respectful like this is still other people's homes. Like we have mm-hmm. connection to this. And she even talks about how her grandma grew up around here uh, with that, with the sunflower. But here, here's the thing. Maybe she did her research and she was lying. And she just like, she like learned that one line to like, like there's just, I agree with Nikisha. I, I was really digging how they were setting this up, but like, I just don't think it was executed well. Um, I just didn't understand where they were trying to say, like, because are they saying gentrification is bad? So you have to, so you get to die. Are you saying you did gentrification the wrong way? So you have to die. Like, like, are you saying that you're trespassing again, similarly to what Taryn said at the beginning? Um, Like, like, are you trespassing in their house? Is that the connection to the original one? I wasn't sure what this movie was trying to do as an individual film versus what it was trying to do to just reflect some of the weird themes that don't matter from the first one because it's all about, for me at least, that unsettling feeling that the movie gives you. So the answer is, I don't know what it's doing. I would choose Candyman's didactic explanation of... um of gentrification one because it just makes more sense it's actually trying to say something it has a lot to do with the plot and the way that the characters feel and also it has to do with how that lead character's feeling of you know being a black man but also being a part of the gentrification and like his 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 struggle comes out in how he in his art and i and even though it's muddled also there like I really, as a, as a as a person sitting in the movie theater, um, I really dug that. Um, in this one, I just like I didn't I didn't I it didn't I didn't get it. Like I, I didn't get it. And I didn't get it. Yeah, Jamie, do you want to comment on it? Yeah, I felt similarly. Like I just didn't understand what they were trying to say, other than like gentrification is bad and therefore like these people deserve to die which like sure that's like one perspective but I don't think that that has any connection to this chain like that just like doesn't have anything to do with what that being said I've only seen the 1974 version and this one so I don't know in the seven other movies that I'm missing if there is something where it actually like is more meaningful, but at least again, like kind of juxtaposing with Candyman, like I've seen the first one, I've seen the new one. There's way more of a connection and it makes sense for what the story is about. And, and this just felt like what's a, what's a contemporary topic that we can tie in to like, you know, update the franchise and, Oh, gentrification is really hot right now in horror movies. And it makes me worry that now it's like becoming this trope that, that is, is going to become like 
tiresome and, and if not well executed, it's like, what are you trying to say about this? Like what, what meaning are you like trying to offer? What perspective are you trying to offer? Like, it's not good. (laughs) Do you want to murder everybody? Like, is that what you're trying to say? Or like, what else is, what else is going on? So like, I just felt like they really misused it as, as like, you know, what they, like how the story was moving forward. And that, that really disappointed me. And like, and again, like makes me worried about like, how often is this going to be incorporated into horror stories moving forward? And like, you know, how else, like, I don't want it to like hold less meaning because they kind of just like threw it in and then didn't really consider what the implications were of them using this as part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Peele's the only person I'll let touch gentrification next. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And listen, we don't even know what Nope is going to be like. That's Nobody true. <laughs> That's a good point. It could be the gentrification of Earth. <laughs> oh my God. Please. <laughs> Wait. Okay, on record, if that's what Nope is about, I- I'm quitting because I'll never get better than that. That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. That's oh, my oh my God. Terrence, please tell us your thoughts. Um, I mean, like, it's, I mean, seeing it, because I mean, initially, I still not want, I don't think they painted a clear enough picture. Because, like, like you said, I was on board when the movie first started. I was like, cool, boom, we're rolling. This is great. His kids are heading to this city. And you see that the writers are, and I think, to be honest, I think it just may have been a writer's thing. I think it may have been a script thing. Like, there was something about, because in the beginning, they start to try to give you little breadcrumbs as to what they're doing. You know, they're giving little breadcrumbs here and there. People are like, oh, okay, I know who you kids are. And like, oh, or, oh, are you the cook? And he's like, oh, no, I'm the chef. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. So, okay, so they have to kind of channel and they have backing and they have like investors and stuff like that. And you just see that they're, I got an idea of what they were trying to do, but I don't think I ever fully, I don't think I was given enough to grasp their vision enough to be invested in what they were doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think they ever like gave me enough to be like, okay, you know what? I can get behind this or, you know what? That's it. They didn't really give me enough information to have an opinion on it, good or bad. I didn't have enough to be like, Oh no, why, why would anyone invest in that? Or, Okay, you know what? Someone should invest in it. That's cool. Like I never got enough of that. So I just saw these people stepping into this old old town. It's like, okay, y- y'all have something that you're doing, but I'm not fully understanding what your vision is aside from it, it just it I mean it, it felt like young if and I guess that might be what it is. It, it it gave the same energy of the first one. The only similarities I could see see between that and the first one, they just gave this energy of young, immature kids who are doing something they think it's a great big move and they're like, hey, let's, mm. let's hop head first into it. And it's actually, they actually bite enough more than they can chew. And it'll be something that a week from now, they're like, oh no, this is a bad idea. I don't, you know, it's it just that, that irresponsibility. I just really felt it in that facet with both groups. Well, they yeah. definitely, let's hope they learn their lesson after that one. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, when, I mean, you just got to wonder what the other people on the, the other investors and stuff still, because I think they mentioned they were from Austin, Texas, which also makes sense because that's the blue dot in the sea of red in Texas. Yeah. And 
<laughs> for them to hear the story of, oh, we sent all these people over here and now they're dead. Okay, well, I guess that was a bad idea. We're just gonna move on. <laughs> Where else? And, yo, speaking of homie who got his hand broke back backwards, like, here's the thing. The dude who dude with the gun, because you know, you always you always gotta have that character. The character you think you're gonna hate, but then you actually end up liking him and you're like, oh, I'm caring <laughs> for you. You know, you, you see him with the gun in the beginning, you're like, Oh, he's an asshole. And then, you know, <laughs> and next thing you know, he's coming in there and she's moving her foot to move the mirror a little bit so he can see mm-hmm. that the other thing's behind the door, and he's the only reason that they were even able to get the keys because he, you know. And I'm like, did Leatherface not see her move that mirror with her, with her foot? Like, <laughs> <laughs> was he not paying attention? Really? Can, I, does the leather mask throw off your peripheral vision? You know, like, I'm, I'm it like, probably like his vision done. has a have to, has to be obscured. It's it's, it's clearly not fully over his eyes. You know, right. like he you can't see what slab no, just a, no, no, a slab no. over his face. Oh just, my god, I like, can't. Salad was probably the most irritating though, because Salad was like, "No, I can't let you go. He wants you, so I'm gonna no. use you." Like, <laughs> what are you talking about, lady? I gotta go. <laughs> I have to leave. What are you talking about? And you want to help me? Obviously, he's after me. I'll run away, and you'll still find him. It's a small he town. He obviously hasn't been chasing you forever. So obviously he forgets about them. He forgets about them at some point. And I personally right. invested in the idea that it's the same person. I think he's, I oh, think you he's do? Okay. a really, really big. Okay. I mean, I, I think that he was just a very, like that, that original one. I, I think he just, at least in my imaginary mind, he <laughs> comes off more like older than what he really is. I think okay. that he's like, a just a massive human, you know, and I think that's where the adolescent mentality comes from because he is young. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Also, I dig that. And also, can we talk about the amount of times that the shotgun like hit the chainsaw and not him? That happened like three or four times. Just shoot his oh, head. Boy, that, chainsaw, that chainsaw is indestructible. <laughs> 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 Truly. I mean, but we always talk about, I mean, well, at least in the screen movies, how people were terrible shooters. Well, uh, Doofy in particular, but that's probably also just a horror movie trope. Just people who have terrible, terrible aim. And what are you, what are you going to do? What are you trying to do? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, should we do ratings? Should we try to rotten tomatoes this? Yes. yes. So, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. looking at the Rotten Tomato score right now. What do we think the Rotten Tomato score of this film is? Uh, Nikisha, why don't you go first? I'm going to say 27. I don't know. That just popped in my head. All right. Jamie? I'm going to say 43. Okay. Terrence? I was coming around 35. 35? Okay. This has a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't skimp on the gore, but Leatherface may have irrevocably lost his ability to terrify. <laughs> irrevocably? Wow. So rude. That Whoa. is rude. Poor Leatherface. Well, yeah, considering that we... Right. I mean, we did, didn't say we had a problem with Leatherface. We had a problem with everyone else. <laughs> totally. Yo, can we talk about how that sledgehammer did not cave her chest in? 
when he yes. like, threw that yeah, on the stairs the and turned and hit her through yes. the stairs. I'm like, I'm like, your chest should be damaged. Yeah. <laughs> or at least you should have like not got the wind knocked out of you. Like, it's like truly, what are you guys? What What are you doing? Fantastic. And, okay. Was that poop that came out of the pipe on her head? I think it was poop. In the yeah. Yeah, and no one was that. like, "You're stinky" on the bus. <laughs> everyone was like, "I was like, welcome to the party." <laughs> um. Maybe oh, also, parties smell like poop. Yeah, maybe those millennial bus parties are poopy. Did anybody did anybody else think that the gun guy, like the guy who held the held the gun, like the first one was actually going to be like another one of the orphans looking over the the town or something like that, like the original one with the hitchhiker? Like I thought that for a bit and then he was like, I don't know. That I that's where my head went. I thought there was going to be another accomplice in it. I thought somebody else oh, okay. was going to be involved. <laughs> Yeah, especially when the deed, when the music swelled, when the deed wasn't in the file facts, and like Dante, Dante looks at everyone and is like, "I must have left it in Austin." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "You had one job, man. All you had one." <laughs> bring the deed. Make sure it was there, which is still unclear because I don't know. She yeah. paid them. Uh, she didn't pay him. Who knows? She's dead now. Yeah. Wow. All right. Should, should we do the four S's? Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> okay. The four S's, as we all know, are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. I'm going to ask you all for your rating one out of 10, and then we're all going to suggest another movie to go along with this one. Um, Terrence, since you are our guest, why don't you start with skulls? One out of 10 skulls is how they handled mental health and human behavior. Ooh, I'm going to probably hit it with a... Uh, I'm going to hit it like a two and a half. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Just because, I mean, they... It's like they gave us stuff, but it's like they didn't do anything with it. It didn't, fit. and what they did do with it didn't seem like it was that pivotal to them. I don't know. It just, it just felt like they did not execute anything correctly with the mental health anything. I'm giving mm. it a two point five. Jamie, yeah, <laughs> it's a two for me. <laughs> it was just, uh, <laughs> it was, it was not, it was not the best. Nikisha? <laughs> yeah, I was skirting around zero, but I'll at least just give it a one uh, with Terrence saying at least they they mentioned some things, even though it was not executed well, so one. Yeah, I'll give it a two just because they tried twice. I don't know. I'm just making that up now. All right. Scares. <laughs> uh, was this scary at all? Uh, um, Terrence? No, I don't think it was scary. I think the only moment that made me go oh, was um when because you saw earlier that the boards were creaking while she was walking so when she was trying to sneak out you saw that she didn't want to step on the boards so that's why she climbed over the banister and was mm-hmm. trying to slip down that way but because her shoes were slippery she tried to jump down and when she jumped down it was real quiet and you could just see her come down once the camera came back up he was now standing there at the top mm. of the stairs and so you know it, it didn't scare me I, I don't think i jumped at any point but that was a moment that i thought was just i guess cool 
And so I was like, oh, okay, that, that that was a neat transition. All right, all right. But yeah, well, what is it? Like, I'll give it a... No, nah, I'm giving it a two. It was not scary. A two? Two. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie? Like... Zero, just so you know. A one? I don't know. A point five? Point five? It wasn't scary. It, the scariest thing was that poop came out of the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nikisha? I am going to give it a three only because of the hand breaking because limbs stuff is a little eek, eek, eek for me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but that made me enjoy it a lot more, all of the blood and gore, but the, mm-hmm. the, the arm break was a little, ah, so three. Did you like the leg break too? Oh God. Yes. His leg went the complete opposite way with that sledgehammer. Yeah. That was yeah, good. That I don't think so, legs are supposed to go that way. Um, I'm going to also, Nikisha, I'm also going to give it a three because while it wasn't scary, I can't handle leg injuries, um, mm-hmm. at all. Like mm-hmm. sometimes on TikTok or on YouTube, I'll be like served up a like worst, worst athletic football injuries. I don't know why, but like it, the, the internet knows that I hate them and like I get nauseous and I keep replaying it over and over in my head and I like can't do it. So that, that whole sequence was like literally a nightmare material for me that and i'll also add what terrence said like i definitely gasped when he threw the sledgehammer at her and she went through the floor and then i laughed when she got up and was like let's go but but that moment when he threw the sledgehammer whatever he threw at her to knock her through the stairs like landing like i definitely gasped because i was not expecting that i wouldn't call that scary per se but it definitely got a reaction out of me but Mm. um so I'll give it a and 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 the 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 arm at the beginning. So I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a three. Cool. Um, shakes. Are you gonna be able to shake this movie? Is this a movie like you'll never remember ever again? Uh, Terrence, what are you thinking? I'm only gonna remember this movie because of how often he somehow threw that chainsaw. Like he would throw it, and and he threw it so many times that when I watched the original after that one. I was waiting for him to throw it. I was like, is this, is this a part of his bag, throwing the chainsaw? But no, it, it, but no, it was not. What do you, what do you- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> you know, it's for the absurdity of it. I'll probably give it a three. I'm going to remember right. some of the ridiculousness of it, yeah. Right. Uh, Jamie? <sighs> like a 1.5. Uh, I, I don't anticipate it sticking around in my brain. For too long. Mm. Uh, Nikisha. <laughs> I'm going to give it a one. I just am so mad at all of the choices and the umbrella black girl. That's the only reason why I remember it because I'm so mad at her. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to give it a two because I have a feeling that we'll be talking about this movie when we compare other gentrification movies. I, I just, I think Jamie's right. Like, I think this is a trope that we're going to get a lot of in like the coming years. And um, whether it's like a, what the movie's about or whether it's just like a part of the movie's like thematic makeup, I, I just think that we're, this is going to be, it's going to be like Candyman, this one, and then like whatever the next one is and like the, the threesomes or whatnot. Like, so I, I'm going to give it a two because I'm anticipating we'll have to remember it. Um, all right. Finally, suggestions. What are you suggesting, Terrence? Um, <clears throat> I mean, there was there wasn't really a movie I, I 
could think about them. Um, what is it? I, the intrusive aspect of them makes me think you're next. You know what I mean? I just oh know, like, yeah, the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where my mind went as far as why I do it. Yeah, that's so a great movie. You're, you're next. Yeah, um, Nikisha. Just because of the gore porn, if you just like all the gore, just pick a Saw movie and go crazy. Sure. Uh, Jamie, do you want to go last? No, because I didn't really have that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the only thing I, the, where my brain went was like, if you want a, a, one of the core, you know, four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, reboot that just does it better do halloween 2019 that's the year it came out right yeah i think it's 2018 okay well whatever recent year the reboot of halloween came Mm -hmm. out um i think they just do this so much better um you know don't ask me about the sequel to that one but you know (laughs) <laughs> but the yeah. first one is good. The first one is good. Yes. Um, I, I has anyone here seen the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? Mm-mm. No. When did that come out? Now I have to watch the mom. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Six or something. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm interested in watching some of these middle ones. So even though I haven't seen them, and I, I don't know if what I'm suggesting. I'm going to say, like, maybe watch the, the Jessica Biel Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I feel like that's divisive as well for, between people. Um, so I'd almost rather have something more divisive than, like, something like this where, like, we, we got what we needed out of it in, like, two seconds. So I'm going to say the, uh, that Texas Chainsaw Massacre just because I have no idea. Fantabulous. Well, I think that wraps up our Texas Chainsaw Massacre Massacre. Okay, we definitely we massacred this into the ground. But thank you so much, Terrence, for being a guest with us. You're wonderful. Thank you for the conversations and, and being a part of the madness. You can follow Talking Horror with Jamie and Akisha on any of the social meds. Just make sure that if someone is trying to kill you, you don't live stream it. But follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Yeah, wherever you get podcasts. So, you know, from Stitcher or from Spotify or from Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. Um, Thank you. you. Uh, Yeah, that's a good place to find us, those places. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I guess, Terrence, you were already doing this, but you can sign us off with some uh, chainsaw noises, please. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was some good <laughs> that stuff. Was, that was, that really, was good. really good. Yeah. We didn't want to end on the best quote of the movie. Oh, oh God. I love brunch. Wait, Terrence, do you think you would have done a better job tricking? Lila into thinking that the chainsaw was in a certain place where it was just on the ground and he snuck up behind her with your impression. Yo, listen. 
<laughs> at that point, I'm wishing I could just throw my voice at that point and just make her think change all around Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Oh, man. What a wild film. Wild film. Well, thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. I love brunch. <laughs> <laughs>